hands together for Pardon the Disruption. Let's go. Hello. All right. Mic'd up? I'm mic'd up. There you go. Yeah. All right. Let me get my notes it here. It's a suitcase. Props, props. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's Carrot Top. A champ never forgets his trophy. Oh, here we go. He's talking trash to Matt Annie. Here there we go. Has he got a collabie in there? <laughs> oh. The opposite of a collabie. Oh. TSA should have took that. It is so appropriate for our guest speaker tomorrow. This is incredible. Here we go. <laughs> oh, look I at the baby the belt. One. That's that one's like my size. That's a cute belt. I like that. That's cool. Later All right. My we can start now. <laughs> All right. So just very quickly, guys, before we... It's like I said, six questions, 45 seconds each, right? Am I supposed to be keeping the time on this thing right here? Someone's counting 45 seconds for me, right, Mark? Okay. Good. Got it. Okay. I can't see you very well, so maybe matter. get closer. They won't, they won't go 45 seconds. They won't go for it. They can't, they, can't, they can't hang with you, Leon. No. That's, no, that's what you told themselves. me before. Leon said that he is definitely the strongest of all these guys. Before this, he kind of pulled me aside. I saw Leon uh, on the lobby earlier, uh -huh. very, very intently studying the questions. <laughs> yeah. So I'm sure these he's guys informed wing right now. everything they do. So if you are a coaching student of one of these individuals to my left, I would be worried because they wing everything they do. Now this is going to be good. All right. So guys, six questions asked to all four of you. No holds barred. Strike first, strike hard. No mercy, sir. All right. Little karate kid there. But first, let's introduce ourselves. So I think everybody knows you guys, but take just a second to introduce yourself. Go ahead. I'm Steve Trang, Real Estate Disruptors. I think that's how most of you guys may know me. Uh, also do sales training. So, you know, our mantra is we solve sales problems, and I cannot believe this is actually happening. Uh, <laughs> this is pretty fun, yeah. When we started this, this, this was not the, the, the vision. This is way surpassed the vision. So this is, this is an incredible honor. Awesome. So before Pardon the Disruption, my name was Leon Barnes. Uh, but because of this show, I'm now Leon G. Barnes, because when I joined this show, everyone had an R.J. Bates III, Eric Brewer Jr., Steve Trang III, so I just added the G. It just sounds better. VP of membership for the Collective Genius, a.k.a. Jason Medley's right-hand man, and uh, also uh, Glenn Schwarm's uh, taller, better-looking younger brother. <laughs> Chris Jefferson, uh, Richmond VA, Charles of University, we call it the U. Uh, excited to be back as always. I uh, appreciate everybody. And uh, I want to introduce the guy actually to my left. Is, do you guys mind? I think that's uh, fine. Yeah, go ahead. This is, this is RJ Bates the third. All right. <laughs> and, and I, and I, and I want to say something real quick. Sorry, man. Step on the belts, bro. I apologize. I'll, I'll pay to get him clean. So I want to. <laughs> I just want to highlight my favorite belt that he's got. Because <laughs> I, I just think it speaks, it truly speaks to how great he, like how big he is at what he does. This is the amount of views he has on his podcast. But <laughs> this is RJ Bates III, our resident King Closer. Uh, he's got all these belts for a reason. Uh, he's, a, he's, a, he's an incredible guy and a really good person to get on the phone. So if you need a sales rep in your business... <laughs> There you go. Wow. There you go. There you go. Wow. wow. Savage. Right out of the gates. I may, um, I may not even have to ask a question. No. We can just roll. No. I mean, I'm, I'm R.J. Bates III, and 
Yeah, I, I win fake wrestling belts um, by closing deals. It's <laughs> kind of what I get, I'm get. i known for. And uh, super excited to be here and uh, going to have a blast. Let's get this going. Uh, awesome. By the way, this is the first time that RJ, myself, I think we met at family the last yeah. meeting. So other than Steve and I, we really didn't know each other other than the podcast. I love it. Yeah. I love it. And this is the first time it's ever happened, like, live, live like apps. this, right? Yeah. So, okay, yeah. cool. We're so, really excited that Leon actually held up his commitment and showed up today. Yeah. That's a struggle for him. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's an incredible day. The collab he started today, the first time ever for Pardon Disruption Live. I mean, it's, there's a lot of things going on. There, Before you know? today, RJ already looked up to me, but he met me today for the first time, and he realized how tall I am, and he really <laughs> looks up to me now. That's why I said. I'm glad Matt's on stage. I'm not the shortest guy. <laughs> so, like, we're that little belt right there. Yeah, so. All right, here we go. Let's get into this, guys. Six questions, 45 seconds each. Everybody listen up. I'm going to choose a winner for each round of questions, right? I like it. But you guys are going to choose the ultimate winner at the end by applause. All right, by applause. Don't let the, the, the jewelry dissuade you, okay? It's not about how many belts you got. It's, it's about the answers, all right? Okay, so here we go, guys. Let's jump into this. So we will start with, am I starting with RJ on this one? Yeah. Yeah, starting with RJ on this one. What does the future of wholesaling as an industry look like? With so many gurus, coaching programs, and new prop tech, how will the industry change in the next five years? Well, I think there's, there's so much education going on, and there's so many people joining wholesaling as a whole. I think we're going to see massive regulations, government being more involved. Um, I think you're going to have to find ways to work around it. We've already seen it in places like Nebraska, where you're forced to work with a realtor. Um, you're going to have to adjust to that. For someone that's virtual like we are, that becomes a massive struggle in and of itself, learning all of the different regulations in the different states. I think five years from now, it's going to be a, an even worse scenario where the government is going to be completely involved with wholesaling and mandating what we can and can't do. All right, let's go to CJ. Yeah, I, th I think on top of that, ultimately, as educators, we're going to be in a position where it's going to be who can tie education with the software, right? Like, we can't deny the fact that, like, software is here to take over, AI is here to take over, and, like, I just got out of a breakout room where we've got people that are in software, and then we've got a room full of people that are in coaching, but there still seems to be a disconnect on that connectivity. I think in the next couple of years, if you're not somebody that's figuring out how to bridge that gap uh, in your coaching business inside of your offer stacks, uh, I think that's going to make uh, your competitive advantage certainly drop. Uh, so that's what I'm intent on doing is how can we bridge those gaps on the software piece and the education component, make them one. Right on. Was there an answer there? Yeah, you need to, you need to combine both of these things if you want to be successful, or you'll just have a bunch of plastic belts. Remember, remember, he <laughs> sure he doesn't close because he lives. Hey, so one person up here has got real jewelry on, and one person doesn't. I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> Go ahead, Leon. Regulation is number one. I don't think it's government so much out of the gates, though. I think it's realtor associations. Obviously, they're taking money out of their pocket. I think that's ultimately where you see wholesaling change. In the last five years, we've seen it change dramatically. You talked about um, uh, Omaha. You talked about uh, states like Oklahoma. Chicago, I think, was the first. So I think it comes from the realtor association first, so you'll see more regulation on that side. But I also think there is a technology piece of this as well. In the last five years, I've gone from talking to individuals that are wholesaling in one particular market to meeting someone like RJ that's wholesaling across the United States thanks to software to help him find buyers and those type of things. So I think it's going to continue to change on those two folds. 
all under 45 seconds. Steve, let's see if you can keep it up. Pro, buddy. that's called professional. I, I, I would say that wholesaling, as we know it today, is not going to be around here in five years. Uh, I wouldn't say that it's going to be a major problem. I think everyone in here is going to be part of the innovation. We're going to see what the next iteration of wholesaling is going to look like. I do think that uh, realtors are going to be more involved. I think there might be some sort of marriage or, or, or more collaboration between uh, realtors and wholesalers. Uh, you know, we do a lot of sales training, and it's kind of funny. Uh, I have this theory that more homeowners know the TTP script than wholesalers do, right? <laughs> and so I do think that this, this industry has to change because we got a lot of, not regulations, kind of like what you said, the Realtor Association is, you know, really butthurt about the whole thing. As a matter of fact, I know someone who just came back from a conference where the conversation was how to remove wholesaling, right, inside of real estate. So uh, th this is happening. And those are all good answers. I'm giving this one to Steve for rejecting the premise and also using uh, the phrase butthurt in his answer. <laughs> so, all right. Number two, the Fed's paused rate, rate hikes, yet the bond market responded negatively and mortgage rates still increased. And some economists say we're headed towards a recession. With all the uncertainty, what tactical things should a wholesaler be doing right now to weather this storm? Steve, why don't we start with you on that one? Uh, I would say the things you should be doing, uh, should be doing right now are things you should have been doing for the last 12, 18 months, right? I think if right now is you're finally seeing things change, it might be too late. Uh, so I think being in a room like this, connecting, uh, creating relationships, finding other people to collaborate with, I think that's really the biggest thing because I can learn from someone else about what they're doing to, you know, again, change uh, or, or go with the, the evolving environment. So I think connecting and learning from one another versus, I mean, like, I think if you're trying to panic right now and try to figure this out, I think it might be too late. All right, Leon. I think connection is important. I'm in the connection business, so obviously I think that's important from community aspect uh, for wholesalers to continue to build relationships. Um, but what I'm seeing more than anything, those that are falling off, um, we're in the land of milk and honey there for the last five years, and they forgot how to do what this guy teaches at a very high level, which is first and foremost, get a lead, convert a lead. And I would double down on that as much as possible because it was very easy over the last five years to sell a deal. Maybe not as much to get a lead, but now it's harder to convert that lead. So focusing in on leads and converting of those leads. Yeah, I mean, for me, when I think about the wholesalers that have like expressed pain in the market so far, it's everybody who had huge overhead, huge teams that was like centralized to one specific location. I think the business is evolving. I think you have to be virtual. I think you have to understand how to do acquisitions and dispositions in multiple markets at a time. And so I think over the next couple of years, the wholesalers that make these intentional changes becoming more tactical about how can you be wider in your approach, but more targeted in your efforts are the ones that are going to see the most success. That was like a great sales pitch for my coaching program. <laughs> I, do have a, I do have a great coaching program. I appreciate <laughs> that. Two, two students are crushing right now. <laughs> You're good. Um, no, y'all's answers are terrible, though. Thank you. Um, seriously, I I mean, we're talking about rate hikes. I mean, you need to be learning how to do sub two and seller finance. Creative finance is going to be the solution uh, to this. When it, If it, we do hit a recession and buyers are not going to be wanting to buy, we saw this in... November, December of 2022. They were still willing to buy the sub twos at 2.75% interest. They just weren't willing to buy cash on a new deal. So I think the solution there is, is if you are not currently implementing creative finance and your strategies as a wholesaler, you're missing out. And we're seeing more and more buyers, even with <coughs> this becoming the new norm going that way.
All right. You ran up on time there, but it was a it was a really good answer. It was point that, worthy. It, it, it was good, and you start <laughs> and you started out by throwing everybody else under yeah. the bus, which is a, just a frontal attack. I like it. Answer didn't change. So this that one's was, going. To, this one's going to RJ. This round goes. That to was RJ. the answer right. eighteen months ago, though. That was not the answer today. <laughs> Shut up, Steve. <laughs> wait, wait. When was this recorded? Oh, okay. All right. Let's let's start with RJ on this one. How important are realtors in building your wholesale business? Perfect place to start. Listen, um, <laughs> with all due, respectfully, <laughs> respectfully to the realtors. about to be disrespected. Um, I, I know we're in a room of one percenters, okay? So I'm talking to all the other 99%. I'm not a big fan of realtors when it comes to wholesaling. And I think realtors can be a huge part of your business if you choose to go that path. What we teach does not involve realtors on any level. So they're not a huge part of it. Um, but if you want to implement direct to agent um, and if you are going to rely on them to be able to analyze your deals and stuff like that, of course, it's going to impact your business. But I don't think that they need to be a vital part of your business to be a new wholesaler. Why do we have the politically correct answer today? Because they you got to keep it respectful. They seem, yeah, they seem serious about it, man. Yeah, shout out to everybody. Shout out to everybody in here who's got a license. I've never had one. I think it's ridiculous, but um, yeah, look, man. I mean, realtors are just so so icky, right? Yes. If, if you if you think that you need to work with a realtor to run a successful wholesale business. Whatever Kool-Aid you got has to have some really good sugar cane in it because it makes no <laughs> sense. Like we're in the direct to seller business. So like when everybody in every market is getting marketed to by marketers, shout out to everybody in the room, by the way. All right, I'm a marketer too. All right. I'm just going to keep going direct to seller while everybody's calling every agent in town, hounding and harassing them about trying to do deals, trying to put in offers over and over and over on the exact same properties. We'll just hang out over here. Me and RJ, we'll just do off market deals make a bunch of money and see you guys on the other side. Bro, I'm so glad Jamil's not here yet. You've been Shout so out to my trouble. guy Jamil, man. Shout out. I'm ready for that. I'm ready for that debate. Um, he'll, be, he'll be in late tonight. So. so being someone that's married to someone with a license, I probably can't say that she's icky. Uh, I don't think I'm going to start with that. Respectfully, respectfully. Respectfully. Yes, I'll make sure we say that. CJ said respectfully, you're icky. Um, I think the realtor relationship is as important as any relationship for wholesalers, especially those ones that we were just talking about before that are maybe seeing a shift for the very first time that haven't been through any um, markets ups and downs. They've only seen up uh, until, what, last March, last April. Um, so I think all relationships are important right now to wholesalers across the board, wholesale, uh, realtors, roofers, um, basement contractors, although we don't have those here, but anyone that works on a house, those are important relationships. They're all important. Steve? I think they're important as part of the team. I don't think it's the most crucial. It's not the most vital, right? But I think it's important as you're building out an organization, you want to make sure everyone's firing all cylinders. So you got, you know, your in-house team, or you got acquisitions, dispositions, uh, lead managers, this and that. But on the outside, you have escrow, you got attorneys, you got realtors, right? I think you need to build a network. You need to build a team if you're going to uh, be successful, uh, weather the storm when you got to pivot this way or that way. I think it's important to have a realtor on the team as part of your strategy to, to build an ecosystem. Are you just repeating what Leon said? I think that's Essentially. Yeah. I said it better, though. Here, you can have it. Well, it, it was similar to what Leon said, but Leon, I think, is getting the points on this one because, or the point on this one, because 
he also took the opportunity to not throw his wife under the bus, which was a good a good I, move for a husband. To shout not do out, that, right? Yep. So, we are I mean, alive, so this is good. That's right. That's right. We can't pull this back. Right? I mean, this is this is out there now. So, so I think that one that one goes to you, Leon. All right, let's go to the next one. Uh, a new report indicates that nearly all NFTs are worthless, down to being zero dollars. So those giraffes that you invested so much money in that weren't even real giraffes apes, are now apes. worth what they were actually worth to begin with, nothing. <laughs> so what do you take into consideration when venturing into a new type of investment to maximize ROI? Leon, I'll start with you. Well, man. first of all, I consider who's pitching it to me. And if this guy is pitching me NFT, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't understand what I was explaining. Every time we do this podcast, there's a thing that's behind uh, Steve that he purchased for how much? 142 grand. $142,000 that's worth how much today? Not 20. Consider the source. Um, consider the source. When we're talking about uh, what we're, um, the quick and easy answer for me is this, is I think you should consider the individual that is um, that you're investing with. I look at some of the people that are in here that uh, I've known for a very, very long time that I trust, know, like, and trust. You know, those boards of advisors that you go to, those are the people that I'm looking. If I'm looking at maximizing returns, it's the investment of the person. All right. Let's go, Steve, let's go to you. Um, I think if you look at when you're investing in some new venture, uh, it says, the question says uh, maximize, but I think you gotta be careful. You gotta be experimenting a new venture, a new opportunity with money you can afford to lose. Right? I think that's a big thing. Like when we went into it, we knew we could afford to lose this money. Now the IRS has a slightly different perspective on it, but <laughs> we invested money that we could afford to lose, right? So if you don't be out there gambling with money you can't afford to lose. So uh, whether uh, it was NFTs uh, last year, but any new venture you're looking at, uh, we like to do what we call uh, micro steps inside the Whale Club. Uh, Jim, Collins call, Jim Collins calls them shooting bullets before uh, cannonballs, right? You experiment with what you can afford to lose. If it works, great, double down. If it doesn't work, abandon ship. Let's go RJ, uh, CJ, then RJ. Yeah. Have you guys seen that show uh, American Greed? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Here's what I think about NFTs as somebody who invested in some of them. Here's what I think every time I watch that show. And here's what I've thought in 14 years of business, every time I've been burned by somebody, damn, I needed some common sense. So it's like we bought those NFTs. Shout out to Steve. I don't know why he spent that much money on one, but whatever. So you, we bought these NFTs, like what were we going to do with them really, right? And so it's like when you're investing in somebody, when somebody's investing in you, I think the baseline is just like, where's my common sense at? If somebody's telling me they're going to give me a 30% return on this investment unsecured, I don't know. Common sense would tell me that could be potentially a bit risky. So I'd say common sense is just an easy way to just look at all these things. So first and foremost, I'm going to say I thought Matthew Potter was the only socialist judge that we had. But apparently, <laughs> it's just the name Matt. So you're guaranteed getting a point since you're the only one that hasn't got a point yet. Um, and then also, Steve, dude, that was pretty impressive. I thought this was going to be painful for you to answer. But you kind of turned it into a flex on all of us, where you're like, yeah, I mean, it was just 142000 on a cartoon. I, just, <laughs> I could lose that. I mean, it was kind of a cool answer. I liked it. It might be his best answer ever. Yeah, it was. Um, I mean, listen, look at the people, and then also, I think the track record that they have. I mean, if this is something that you're wanting to invest into, look back and say, hey, have you done this time and time again? Have you, do you have a proven track record of succeeding? That's like a long way to say common sense. 
<laughs> yeah, but I had a bunch of jokes before. It was funny. I got you. Yeah, I, I gave you the point anyways. I, nobody left. <laughs> to be clear, it was an investment to join a crypto mastermind. To be clear, that mastermind has not been very fruitful, but it did open one door that has been immensely valuable. So I looked at it as, as an investment. Yeah, that's what I say to myself when I lose money too, man. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. I get it. This, is a, this is a tough one, right? Do I... Do I give it to Steve because he spent $140,000 on a cartoon that's not real? Or, people like that one. Or, or do I give it to RJ for spending the majority of his question invalidating the answers of all the other panels? Yes! I think you know the answer. I think it's got to go to RJ for that. That was game. That was game. He was spitting game. It's good. All right, guys, next question. Coach Prime has dramatically changed the storylines in college football and sports in general. More importantly, Colorado football has done a complete 180 since his arrival. How essential is coaching to the performance of your students, RJ? Who's here a coach? We're all coaches, right? I mean, we all know how important coaching is, but I think Tiffany High said it best this morning. She talked about if her students don't match the core values, she's removing them. That's what Coach Prime did. He went in and he said, I don't care about my abilities. I care about the core values and making sure that, well, they needed talent too, but making sure that they hit what he needed to be a part of his team. And I think sometimes as educators, we don't do that enough. Um, and I was really inspired by Tiffany's speech this morning talking about that, making sure that the students that we're bringing into our coaching programs are the right fit so they can succeed. And then we're not just taking the money from them. Yeah, on, I, I on think a lot of times in these rooms we talk about how much money we make from our students and our programs and our offers and all these things, and that's all cool. Yeah, they're, they're good businesses, right? But I think that they're people, and I think the people matter the most. Right before I came in here, I was scrolling on Instagram. I saw a post where uh, Travis Hunter, right, the star athlete that got knocked out of the game the other week, uh, texted Coach Prime after the Oregon loss and said, hey, I got to play next week. We got USC next. I need to play. And his response was, hey, your future is far brighter than mine ever was. Just sit tight, focus on getting healthy. I love you. Get back out here when it's time, right? I think we got to start taking that type of approach in conversations with our students. So I, I, I commend that, what Tiffany said earlier. It's not always about the money that we're making. And we talk about that a lot in these rooms. We got to talk about the people and how much they matter more. You get that ooga there. All right, Leon. Lacerated liver that he wanted to come back and play. That's how much his coach meant to him. He lacerated his liver. Coaches mean a lot, not only in real estate, just in life in general. As someone that grew up, uh, grew up without a father, coaches were my father. I mean, I look up to uh, a lot of coaches that I had, and I think about what was the most important for me to, to get to where I am that they gave me the influence. And I think of one particular coach in this room that I hear more people say great things about that are members of the collective genius that started with this individual and has continued to make their way up and this they become disciples of that individual and can't uh, stop preaching the praise of that individual because he cared about their success tom kroll is that person in this room that i hear more than anybody within our group that cares about their success and that's to me what what matters with coaches right on go for it steve I think coaching carries way too much credit. Uh, I, I, I see, you know, some of these coaches that highlight their particular student, like one or two, you know, success stories. Like, you know, 
talk about, man, my program is great. Look what we did for this person. And I think we have to look at the fact that it's really the student, right? Like we have a similar uh, program where we won't bring on people that are too new, that don't have the ability. I don't have the confidence that I could take someone necessarily from zero to one. You got a lot of stuff on the inside that I can't help you. If I sell you this program, it doesn't actually benefit you today, right? So I think you got to look at, it's really about the student. They're the ones that are going to succeed or not. We're just a part of their story to help them get to where they want to be. I like that. Kind of echoing what Chris said there a little bit. Any rebuttals, guys, at all on this one? Well, don't, don't that was a pretty team. interesting take there coming from a coach. I mean, you don't think Dion made a difference for Colorado? And Dion made a difference for attracting talent. But, like, we have – I've had some people, like, like Steve, like, it's really – thank you for everything you've done for me, right? And I always – I appreciate it. It, it. it warms my heart. At the same time, like, they were going to be successful whether I helped them or not, right? I just helped them get there faster. So well, they, they might have already been headed that way in the first place, right? Like, I, I, what I just heard you talk about was, hey, and I hear this a lot, too. It's like, hey, I want the experienced person. Now, I want the new person. I want the brand new person that just found out about wholesaling last week that's got nothing else going on that wants to change their life. Like, that's who I want. I want to help that person to get, like, if you can coach coach and get results for somebody, like, that's coaching, right? Not, like, I've already done 15 deals and, like, you want to help me tweak so I can do 20? But here's the thing. Why did he attract great talent? Because he changed the culture there. He attracted it because he said, we we're going to be winners. It's because of Deion Sanders. Uh, okay, well, who's Dabo Sweeney? He changed the culture at Clemson. Yep. I mean, he doesn't have the, the swag that Deion Sanders is, but he changed the culture at Clemson and turned them into multinational championships. Yeah, I mean, I would say the, the importance of coaching, right, attracting talent, that was more about him being a great recruiter than him being a great coach. He was a better marketer than he was a coach. I think his presence says it all, though. His presence when he walked into that room. Hey, you're not in this panel. Yeah, you yeah. can't get points. But I think, I think you you're get also, no points. I think you're also missing. He great, wants to go to Colorado. I think, uh, <laughs> I think you're missing also the point of his intelligence. All right, let's go. He's a great, real quick, he's a, he's a great coach. He's, he's better at, obviously, recruiting talent. But he also is great at recruiting great coaches. If you look at his staff, he had a former head coach come on to be his offensive coordinator. So he can be a great recruiter and a great coach and intelligent enough to bring, bring great coaches underneath him. By the way, we did learn one new thing here. We learned that Steve, two actually, we learned that Steve has a heart and we learned that it gets warmed every once in a while. That's new to me. I didn't know that. Every once in a while. Bro, you, the <laughs> disrespect right. for Dion, bro. They say he's not a I coach. See I, I didn't say that. I love Dion. Shout out to Dion, man. <laughs> Seriously. I think one third of my are TikTok videos. Are is you Dion. a Dion fan or not? Who are you what on? Do you, what do you have against Dion? Yeah. <laughs> What's the Literally deal? one third of my feed is his quotes. Like I love the guy. I'm just uh, saying he's a better marketer. Uh, we had on all coach. right, all right. I'm gonna make a call. I'm gonna make a call on this one. All great answers, right? Um, I like I like that Steve kind of echoed Chris, but honestly, I think Chris put it best when he was very student centric, very human centric. It's all of these are people, right? That's what really came through when he said that, right? And you guys all had great answers, but I'm giving that one to Chris because of that, uh, that student-centric answer. I appreciate Excited that. to see you get on the board, bro. <laughs> I mean, if we want to talk about who has the most wins in show history, we can. Oh, we can. <laughs> There's going to be part two of this debate in the bar after this. I can see this right now, right right here. Okay, here we go. Last question here, and then we're going to vote by applause after we, after we do this one, right? The median net worth is 40 times greater for homeowners than renters. With projections of 30% of SFRs being owned by institutions slash investors by 2030, again, that's 30% 
projections of FF, F, SFRs, I can't say that, SFRs being owned by institution investors by 2030. How do wholesalers maintain a conscience when selling to hedge funds? That starts with CJ. Yeah, look, man, uh, this was my question. Uh, <laughs> I mean, what about the elephant in the room, right? I mean, I just saw a Wall Street Journal the other day, Wall Street Journal article the other day about how much hedge funds and institutions are buying up real estate since it became an asset class after the Great Recession. How do we have a conscience? Uh, they're going to buy them anyway, right? Now, are we shotgunning ourselves in the face? Maybe. That's, that's a different conversation, but these people have so much money, these institutions have so much money, if they don't buy them from us, they're gonna source them and buy them from somewhere in some way. Uh, so we gotta get in where we fit in, uh, but there's a bigger conversation to be had uh, for sure about that. I thought for sure, this was gonna be your moment. Yes, no, no, talking about affordable housing, bro. <laughs> no, because here's the thing, affordable housing, oh, you know time's up, bro. Wait, wait, shut up, shut up. Wait, wait, wait. Sorry, affordable housing is important, I know you're an advocate. So listen, <laughs> listen, affordable housing is huge, but we can't fix it there, right? Like wholesalers, you think we're going to fix affordable housing? Hell no, you don't bro. even buy houses. How are we going to fix affordable housing? Time's up, bro. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> you have zero, you lose zero sleep over this. Get your money. That's what you're doing. Wholesale the shit to the hedge funds, get as much money as possible. And then with all of the liquid capital you just freed up, go buy your own assets. You should not lose sleep over this. That's your job. That's how you feed the, your family and take care of your team. Well, are you, are you literally going to be the one wholesaler that's going to sit there and be like, we're not going to sell to the hedge funds? <laughs> With a tie-dye t-shirt. Yeah. No. Sell them. You're good. <laughs> Leon? It's... But that was my answer, quite frankly, is to have an active enough income that you can build up your passive income by holding as many doors as you possibly can. So when that hedge fund comes down the line 20 years from now, you've got 3,000, 4,000 doors that you can then move to them and not feel guilty at all. But you're not going to stop what you're doing. So I sleep real good. Um, I, got, I got people that depend on me, right? I got staff, I got overhead, I got to get the bills paid, right? I, you got, I you can't, got kids? Yeah, I got kids. I can't change the system, right? If the system needs to be changed, I'm not the person that's going to change the system. But within the system, I'm going to optimize, right, to run my own business. And I had this uh, crisis of conscience, I want to say, 20 years ago, 25 years ago, when I first started playing uh, a lot of poker, you know. I used to leave campus to go play poker tournaments at 10 o'clock on Friday, uh, Friday mornings uh, to play against a bunch of people that are cashing their social security checks. It's like, should I be taking money from these older people, <laughs> right? But the reality is, they were going to lose, up, checks. They Steve, were gonna lose their money Chang's anyway. Running, Steve Chang's running a bingo scam and stuff. <laughs> they were going to lose the money anyway. <laughs> I, I am you, there. Cold-blooded, man. B12. My man's cold-blooded. I would A9. go to class. Go, I would go to class, play in a poker tournament, and then go back to lab afterwards. Hey, but seriously though, <laughs> could you imagine if Steve didn't wholesale his eight deals a year to the hedge funds? <laughs> How would he have 142 nah, just, grand to buy cartoons? I just, I just pictured, I just pictured Steve playing in like what's that circus, circus casino? <laughs> yeah. I just pictured him at 10 in the morning with a drink and a cigarette. <laughs> Just taking Shame. older people's money. Shame. Yeah, so like I said, I had that crisis of conscious conversation Jeez. decades ago. Right? Yeah. Now I sleep good. The system's a system. We optimize within the system. 
All right, so you're all basically on the same page there. RJ, you were the one that really broke the seal, though, and said, give me a break. You're going to sell to the hedge funds. Yeah. It's what you do, right? Yeah. Let's call a spade a spade. So we're giving you that one, all right? All right, so that's that's question number six. So I don't know what the tally what, What's the tally here? The tally is three. It doesn't really matter. Three of the six. It doesn't matter. Just like closers It doesn't Olympics. matter. We're going to the Because audience. now the, the crowd is going to judge. So here's how we're going to do this. You guys stand up. Line up right here, right? Uh, Come here, line it up. Hey, give me the baby belt. RJ, you stay on that <laughs> side. Right. You guys all kind of stand on the Ford same plane belts. here. Yep, stand on the, the same. Oh, okay. <laughs> here we go. All right, now we're going to have them step out one at a time, and by show of applause, you guys let us know mm, who you think won out. over all six questions, <laughs> all the rebuttals. Who had the best showing here? Or who had the best arguments? Who gave it to the other guys? most aptly, right? Okay, we're gonna start over here. Steve Trank, step four. Let's hear by round of applause, Steve Trank. Oh, that's, that's, that's Did cute. I hear some booing? Come on. <laughs> that was All right, step back. All right, by show of applause, take a step forward. Leon Barnes. Oh, got a little applause, I like that. Thanks, Sean, appreciate that you. That was good. Good. All right, like Leon's in the lead so far, I think, guys. All right, Chris Jefferson, step forward. There's no whistles. No whistles. No whistles. Tom gave me the whistle. I, no I think I detected one decibel higher than. Hey, you than know Leon. why I'm going last, right? So, <laughs> so here it is. We're gonna find out right here. Is he gonna be? Is it gonna be louder than for Chris Jefferson, or is it going to be softer than for Chris Jefferson? Step forward, so, R.J. Bates. <laughs> all right. I think RJ Bates had the loudest, but all you step forward. Let's give no, him a huge pardon hand. Him. Pardon the disruption. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You guys killed it. Thank you. Appreciate that was that. awesome. Awesome. All right. Keep it going. Keep it going, guys.